I want to start with something funny. And I heard about this guy, Bob, who forgot his wife's wedding anniversary. His wife was mad and she told him, tomorrow morning, I expect to find a gift in the driveway that goes from zero to 200 in about six seconds and it better be there. The next morning, she saw a big gift, red box in the driveway. And she rushed out, excited, opened it and found a brand new bathroom scale. <laughs> Bob has been missing since Friday. Thanks for <laughs> so good. That's a bad gift. Who's ever given a gift like that? Mother's Day, right? Mother's Day? Yeah, no, no. yeah really? No, yeah. I've done some dumb things too, you know. So, oh man, really? You know. Okay, so today we're starting a new series which I'm excited about in one John. In one John. And so which is good. So John, of course, wrote this song, One John. And uh, also he wrote uh, two John. And even three John. It's just quite amazing, really. And then he also wrote the Gospel of John. And he wrote Revelation. So is he wrote a lot of stuff. So a great apostle, this John guy. And I like this guy, you know, because he calls himself, you know, the, the apostle that Jesus loved. You know? And he writes in John, you know, John, the Gospel of John 20, verse 2, he says, the, 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 the apostle that Jesus loved. He makes up his own thing, you know. This is so cool, you know. He feels, he feels so, you know. And it's exciting. And, and you see here in 1 John that this whole kind of, his intimacy with Christ, his love for God is really in this thing. And you see it throughout this book coming to the front, his fellowship with the Lord. Now, there's three things that are happening in this book. One is they celebrate the God of light, which we talk about today. Then they're about to talk about the God of love, which next week. And then the God of life. And I can't do this normally. I could do the series like an eight, but I have to do it in three weeks' time. So it's going to be a little bit like I try to talk slow, uh, but we, we will not be able to go and, and do every verse. Uh, I like expositional teaching. I haven't done it for a while, uh, but I love it. It's very empowering. It's just that we can't, we can't do it today because it's kind of short, a short chapter. But you can't do it all the other chapters because you'll be here the whole day, which is actually quite good. In China, they are there the whole day. They don't go away. When you go to China and preach like that, you go day after day after day without any breaks. They are so hungry for the word of God. Here, half an hour, no more, please. Can you please stop talking? You know, because I need to go to my roast. I need to go to my thing. Yeah, so that's like whatever. It's different culture, isn't it? Give me some of that culture any day. Amen. So anyway, John is, is preaching to a mixed audience uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the book of 1 John. And um, in this first chapter, will you find in a minute... He is actually challenging the Gnostics, and I'll, I'll say in a minute what they are, the Gnostics, which was rampant in the first century in this way. And so John comes with correction and encouragement. He says, the truth will set you free. God is light. If you live in darkness, you don't live in the light. You're not even a Christian. Live in the light because God is light, and I want to pull you into the light and enlighten your day. Now, you can join me now, and we can read this together. Isn't that fun? So I want you to stand up, otherwise you fall asleep maybe. Stand up together, and we're going to read this whole chapter. There's only 10 verses, guys. Don't worry. There's only 10 verses. I won't do it next week. Here we go. All together. That what wish from the beginning. So, wait, wait, wait. So, so wait, 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 wait. It's just this tooth I still, I'm, tomorrow I'm getting my tooth in, by the way. Pray for me. At 11 o'clock, I get this thing, this new thing in there. And then in three months down, I just took a stick of thing in, and then the hole is gone. Just that you know. And I lost the other part. I don't know where it is. I missed it somewhere on the way, so it's really bad. Anyway, so now I'm stuck with this. And I can smile this way because they can't see the... But anyway, sorry. sorry. Um, let's go together. Word of God. Word of God. Word of God. Here we go. That which was from the beginning, 
which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This is we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it. We testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Write this to you. Make your joy complete. This is the message we have heard from Him. Verse 6. Glad to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if you walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have no sins, we will make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. May the Lord bless His word. Amen. You may be seated. Man, some of you have never written, read so much in one go, right? One John, I'm, I'm naughty. Why am I naughty today, Catherine? Okay, I'm so sorry. Okay, so this <laughs> verse one, one. So one, stop it, guys. Stop it, stop it, stop. Okay, okay. So, so basically here, um, I want to pull out, um, I'm going to go through all the verses, but um, we'll see here particularly the, the controversial uh, verse is 1-1-9, which has been actually a source of confusion for many, many Christians throughout the ages. Not just in our church, but I'm talking about thousands of years, uh, about 2030 years, um, 23 years in this regard. And it's been a such a source of confusion for, for me too in my personal life for many, many years, bringing fear, condemnation in my life, which has really been hard until I saw the light. God is light, and that's where we're going here this morning. And the confusion comes because of this. The confusion is that the new covenant is a covenant of forgiveness. It's essential. It's, it's the core of our Christianity is forgiveness, total forgiveness in Jesus Christ. For example, Matthew 26, 8. This is, and we use it for, for communion all the time. This is my blood, Jesus says, of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of of sins the essence of the gospel the essence of the good news the essence of it is finished is that we have complete salvation and complete forgiveness in him which means and we talked about it at easter time that jesus paid for it all <clears throat> let's say it together jesus paid for it all yet we see in this scripture it seems to indicate that we are not really totally forgiven because it seems to be up to our confession whether we have been released of this sin or whether we have cleansed ourselves. It seems to indicate that we have to keep on confessing to be forgiven, to keep on doing this kind of stuff, to be, be cleansed. And it's all about our confession. Really? 
That is the question. It sounds like an amazing promise of God, doesn't it? If you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your righteousness. There is a problem, though. Unrighteousness. Sorry, thank you for doing that. I think this is not so sorry. Unrighteousness. There's a problem, though. What if you don't confess your sins? What if you forget to confess your sins? Why don't you even know which ones to confess? What about the thousands and millions you do and you forgot about? Like what I used to do when I was young and I was a Christian and I was very holy, trying to be holy. Every night before I go to bed, look, I confess all these sins that I have for you and all the ones that I don't know. That I, I don't know, but I don't want to die in the middle of the night if you come back. And I don't want to be unforgiven. So please, all, I cover myself with everything. And honestly, I did this year after year after year, not knowing for sure that I was saved or cleansed or anything like this. It is such a source of condemnation in so many people's lives. Did you know in the Bible, it's not only the negative things we do. You know, I'm, I'm mad with the cat, you know, that kind of sin. Is it, is it even a sin? I don't even know. Can you kick the cat? Is that, is that a sin? I guess it's a sin. That's still God's creation. So that's like a ba bad one. But the thing is, though, God says that everything that's not out of faith is sin. That means, like, we, so many things we do out of faith. We don't probably pray enough. We don't, do, we, don't, we don't be kind enough. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, all, it's everything. We sin all the time. We fall short all the time. So we are in big trouble if this is for you and for me. Because Jesus said, you have been forgiven. It says in several scriptures, look at the New Covenant here. New Testament, Ephesians 4, 33. There we are. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Hebrews 10, 4, and a whole bunch of them. This is for a few examples. For by one offering he is perfected forever, them that are sanctified. Colossians 2.13, God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave us all of our sins. Can I say something? That was done 2,000 years ago, before you even were born, right? All the sins, all the future. 2 Corinthians 5.22, you should know this by heart. God made him, Jesus, to be sin. Let's do it together. God made him to be sin, then be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We should have done it without the thing on that, there, but that's one of those verses that you just want to know all the time. I love this Ephesians 1.7 in the Amplified. Look at this one. I love this one. In him we have, you can say it, redemption, that is our deliverance and salvation through his blood, which paid the penalty from our sin, resulting in the forgiveness and the complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. Scripture after scripture after scripture in the Bible talks about the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ, that we have been pardoned forever, that he paid the price forever. So what on earth is going on here in this beautiful scripture? Are we forgiven or are we not? Are we sinners and then saints when we come to Christ, but then we're sinners again when we haven't confessed, and then we confess again, you become a, a saint again? What's going on here in this life? This is too much double dutch, too much double talk, too much double talk going on. What's going on? A yo-yo confusing of who we are in this way. Now, 10 context, if you go, when I did my master's in theology, the, the professors, and particularly one, N.T. Wright, he came to do a session for us in Auckland. He says, he went on a big board, like, massive board and in those days they had those little white things you know on the board you know and um crayons what he calls things <laughs> chalk 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 and he put c-o-n-g-e-x-t everything in the bible is context 
context because if you take the text out of context, you have a con. It's a lie. It doesn't work. And so many people, I even hear around me, so many people preach their favorite scripture, but it's completely out of context. And if you know the context, it can be good for you, but it may not be true. But it can also be bad for you and not be true. And that's, even, and that's in some ways the one we talk about today. People think it's like, well, you know, and it may not even be for you. And so let's have a look at this context. Now, some of the three things about the context here. One, in the, those days, particularly the first century, you had the Gnostics. And the Gnostics did not believe that Jesus came in the flesh. They did not believe in the incarnation. And so he's talking about this stuff. That's why he says at the beginning what we have seen and what we have touched. He's, he's, you know, and again in verse 3 he talks about we've seen, we've touched, we smelled, we walked with him. Because he, he, want, he wants to basically negate for those Gnostics who don't believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. They just don't believe like this. For Jesus it's all supernatural. He's like a ghost. He's all like this. And he is of course a ghost. He's supernatural in this way. But the thing is though he's never landed like this. Because God will never stoop down low enough to become a human being. And that's incredible. I mean I went to a funeral the other day on Friday uh, for Jenny Perkins. Some of you know Jenny Perkins. And we we really miss her. She's a lovely lady and great, great lady. And, um, you know, we, we, we feel for Graham, his husband. But I was just crying through the whole thing because I was preparing this message. And because they came into grace like five years ago or so, and it completely changed their lives. And he was, she was sharing about this, how it can completely change her life, understanding this stuff. And I was just weeping. And the reason why is because of the goodness of God. I couldn't stop, I couldn't stop crying. And the reason was because Jesus is so amazing. And I'm so undeserving, you know what I mean? I become deserving. I, I get whatever, I'm a son and so. But I'm so, I mean, we were no, nowhere without Christ. Nowhere what he has done. And these guys don't even believe. I mean, the incarnation is pivotal. It's the only thing that changes our, our religion, if you like, from any other religion in the world. That Jesus became a human being like you and like me. And that's why he could go to the cross as you and as me. And that's why he could took our sin on the cross as you and as me. And then be glorified again with this beautiful new body that we're all going to inherit one day. But what a beautiful thing, the incarnation. Now the Gnostics didn't believe in that. So he says, hey, you've got to believe in this stuff. You are not right. Now the other thing to say is that when every time in the Bible it talks about light and darkness, it, light is always talking about Christians being light and being saved. And darkness is always talking about Unbelievers, unchrist, not unchristians, not Christians in this thing. So in darkness, that's where we come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The other thing is very important that has a lot to do with this verse. Is that Gnostics did not believe that they sinned. They didn't believe there was any sin. They said we are, we are in, the, in the Gnostic, we are in the Gnosis. Gnosis comes from Gnosis in the Greek. It is like this knowledge that we have, and we're kind of transcended. We have nothing to do with this earthly stuff, with the flesh. Also, we don't even believe in this stuff. It's there, but we don't care about stuff. No, there's no sin. There's no sin like this. And like this is. And he's saying, no, there is. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You cannot say you have not no sin in this way. So that's from the background of this verse. Okay, number one, verse one. That was which is from the beginning. What we have heard, what we have seen what we have the eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have touched this is what we proclaim so you can't see why by the way this is the only epistle in the new covenant in the new test only epistle that not starts with to the saints of wherever the only one this particular one only in the second chapter he starts talking to christian not at all. Every other epistle he talks about to the saints in, in Rome and to the whatever and this, even though they were red bags, they were says, you know, all the people. In there. Here he doesn't say anything. He just starts. 
because he's trying to address these people who were in the Jews. Now, also know that John speaks to the Jews. He's called to the Jews. And also Mark and Luke are called to the Jews people, uh, to speak to the Jewish people. It is only uh, um, Paul who's actually called to the Gentiles. So it's a bit of a thing here. So he is talking here to a mixture, in particular trying to talk to these Gnostics who don't believe that Jesus has come in the flesh. Now in 1 John, in the Gospel of, Gospel of John, it's very important to note, in the beginning was one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. It says, in the beginning was the Word, come on, let's say it together, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen the glory, his glory of the one and only came from the Father, full of grace and glory. The incarnation is key. The word of life, the eternal word of life came to us and manifested into our lives. Amen? Verse 2, the life appeared and we have seen it and testified. Again, he's trying to make a point. We have seen him and testified and we proclaim to you guys the eternal life which was with the Father but now has appeared to us. Gnostics, you, we have seen him. We walked with him. We touched him. We felt him. Hey, man, I was lying on his chest. I'm his favorite one anyway. Remember, he loved me more than anybody else. All the apostles, Jesus loved me. I touched him. I was there with him. He's real. He was Totally human, but also totally God. And you are wrong to not believe in the incarnation. Verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. He keeps on going, isn't he? What we have seen and heard. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. See, John wants them to have fellowship with them, with the Christians, with the apostles, with the church of Jesus Christ, because they're not. They're out there in darkness. They don't believe even in sin. They don't even believe in the incarnation. So he said, come and have fellowship with us. You know, and John talks about this also in John 4. It's very interesting. 1 John 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test, by the way, this is a very good word, not just for Gnostics then, but also for some people right now around us, not in this church. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God, that every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. They don't believe in the incarnation. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. He says, guys, the incarnation, incarnation is real, but you guys are not believing this thing, so you are living in the spirit of the Antichrist. I know there's whole denominations that don't believe this. They're in error. Very dangerous in this way. Verse 5, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. But if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. We don't even live the truth. God is light. God is light and there's in him no darkness. Hey, if you claim to walk around with these guys, even with us Christians, you walk around with us, but you're living in darkness, you don't even believe this stuff, you are a fake. You are a fake. You're not a believer, you're a fake. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 
So guys, please come into the light. Come into our fellowship. Confess your sins. Come into the fold. Become a Christian. Get born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. And jump into this never-ending river of forgiveness. You know, we're forgiven for all time. You know that, Christians. But it's like it's this, this never-ending river. We, we live in this river of forgiveness. And it's just so, so beautiful. The river that starts flowing from the cross throughout all eternity, throughout the whole world. It's just so beautiful, this river. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin. Here we go again. If we claim <coughs> to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Guys, you can't complain you are without sin. It's wrong. Nobody. Nobody, no Christian, nobody would say they are without sin. We all make mistakes. So you can't say there's no sin in the world because that's what they were believing. There's no sin in the world. Sin is a real thing. There's a sinful nature that everybody is born with. And we've got to take it out of your system. When you get born again, you get God's spirit to come in and change everything from the inside out. It's real. But these guys did not believe it. They didn't believe it. So he says, you are walking in darkness and the truth is not in you. You are living in the spirit of of the Antichrist. But there's a solution. Hey, there's a solution. If you confess your sins, then he is faithful and will forgive your sins and will purify you from all unrighteousness. How much righteousness? Unrighteousness. Sorry, again, thanks. All unrighteousness. Thanks, Dejil, you're on to it today. All unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. You know, this is a salvation verse. This is not a verse for Christians. But what have we done? We use this all the time. All the time. You know, we've done with this um, verse. I have a bar of soap here. It's very nice. It's dove. It's kind of funny, dove. Spirit, whatever. It's not... It does actually make sense because I don't want this to be, it doesn't work like that. I'm going to throw it out to see, you know. Uh, but it's the, that's what we do. we do. We have the soap theology that whenever I make a mistake, a known mistake, or even no mistake, in the sense of no, no, unknown mistake, then we take the, clean myself, confess my sins. Thank you, Jesus. You saved me. You clean me again. Thank you so much. Oh, another one. Like this again. I better put it in my pocket every time I go, like I see something on the street. <gasps> You know? Oh, I kicked the cat off. Oh. Endless. I call it the theology of, the, of soap. It is such an embarrassment for the gospel that we have to carry this blimmin' soap all around the place. And then we feel dirty because it can never. Sometimes we forget our soap, right? It's not in our back pocket. Where's my soap gone? How can I be clean now? You know what I mean? It's just unbelievable. And then we feel bad and we feel condemnation. It's like, man, maybe I'm going to hell now. I don't know what to do. I'm a Christian, but I don't even know I'm born. I don't know anymore. Honestly, so many in the church right now, I hope not many here anymore, but so many in the church believe this. There's whole denominations that believe this. And they got boxes everywhere to go in there. You don't confess your stuff, you are stuffed. Honestly, I don't want to make, make a, honestly, this is not right and it's not good. And it makes a spectacle, an abomination to the cross of Christ. There's a cross not there anymore. There was a cross there. It's all gone now. But anyway, there was a cross there. That's why that's my point in there. He said, why are you pointing to this thing all the time? There was a cross there. Um, and it's still there in this, in this way. Feel dirty, right? 
Phil, I've got a scripture for you. It talks about this. Romans 8. I'm almost done. Romans 8. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's say it together. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Come on, you are free. You are free. You are free. You are free. There is no progressive theology of cleansing. I have no, there's no way in the Bible. Now, there is a progressive theology about sanctification. We're sanctified once and for all when you get saved and you're holy. But then there's a process of your soul aligning with your spirit. And that takes your whole life. And that's often a bad testament to people in the world. They look at Christians and say, how can you be like this? Because I thought Christians were holy and nice people. And this is what you're doing. It's because you have such a non-alignment with your spirit that is pure and holy, born from God, righteous forever, ready for heaven. But then you got this soul and you got all these thoughts and you got the flesh and you got the devil and you got all this stuff going on all the time, right? It's so hard. And that's why you think you need this all the time, you know. And we get so confused in this way. And the enemy loves it. He loves that Christians don't know the once for all forgiveness. They know. Because it will weaken you. You will not have boldness in your faith. You will not have boldness in any way and confidence. Because when you know you are completely forgiven and nothing can change that, you are bold as a lion. And when something happens and you kick the cat and you make a mistake, you say, oh, I'm so sorry. You say, Lord, Lord, that's dumb. I shouldn't have done it. But knowing that you're forgiven, you don't have to get, oh, the stupid cat. Oh, yes, the cat. You know, the cat again. And now I'm suddenly I'm here. Thing again, you know. You know, it is right living that gives us right, it's right believing that gives us right living, right? And that's what, that's what he talks about here, that God is light. And when we start living in the light and the light of day and know what the finished work of Christ has done for us in the light, then we start living in the light. Beautiful. And then he goes to chapter 2. And now he talks to Christians. Look what he says here. He says, then he says, my dear children. Hey, now it's Christians. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Everybody say advocate. It ruined me on Friday. That's why, that's why I was crying at his funeral because of this. Advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. He got the whole world in his hand. He saved the whole. He actually has the whole whole world. The whole world. I love this about an advocate. What does an advocate do? He goes with you into the courtroom. And he defends you. So think about this. There's a great picture. And I really want you to see that because it really helped me too. And see the picture. When you go in the courtroom and somebody uh, accuses you from a sin, could be yourself, could be the enemy, could be anybody, right? Says, hey, hey, you did this. And then Jesus says, yes, but I paid for this. Yeah, but I did. I paid for that too. Yeah, but I, I paid for that too. I paid for everything. I paid for everything. That's exactly, Bronco, how you, how you respond. It is, thank you, Jesus. And that's why the Christians are the most happy, glorious, wonderful, smiling people on the planet. Because they know how forgiven they are. And even if the arrows of sin come into your life, you know there's an advocate who stands there like Superman. You don't come past my, my shield. Now, this doesn't give you a license to do dumb things, of course. Because that's what people say, yeah, that gives you a license. To, hey, you don't need any license. You're sitting anyway. You don't need any license anywhere. 
But honestly, I think it's the opposite. Titus talks about this. Hey, you have forgotten how cleansed you were when you do dumb things. Yeah. And we all do dumb things. But now when you do dumb things, you say sorry to God. By the way, we totally believe in repentance, confession, and all this kind of stuff, don't you? Yeah. Don't think we've thrown it out the door. When I do something dumb, I said, Lord, I'm really sorry. This is really dumb what I did now. I can even cry. This is stupid. But I still know I'm forgiven. It's amazing. Whatever you do. But also repentance. Repentance means metanoia. It means to change your mind. I'm changing my mind. I'm repenting all day long because I want to change my mind all day long according to what God has created me to be, who I am as a son of God, and all this kind of stuff. So I'm changing all the time. Talking about confession. Confession is homologia. means it's homologia, which is same and logos. It's the word, same as the word. So you're saying you're agreeing with God. I agree with God the whole day. And I'm learning to agree with God. I am confessing all day long. But I'm not confessing my sins. He's paid for it. But I'm confessing, I'm confessing my righteousness. And I'm confessing who I am in Christ. And I'm confessing how awesome he's made me to be. That's what I'm confessing. And as I do, I'm being pulled into this glorious life. And it gives me the strength to say no to ungodliness. And when I make a mistake, you say sorry and you move on. But you're not going to fall in this pit. I used to fall in the pit. I said, I don't know how long I'm going to call out of this one to feel, to feel good again about myself. Because I made that mistake. Now it's almost like it doesn't even hardly touches me. We're so sun conscious instead of sin conscious. It's so much powerful, guys. That's a way to live in your life. No more confused. And then later, what it says here is really nice. To, and I'll finish with this. Catherine, you want to start playing maybe a little bit? Come on, give it up for Catherine. She's just an amazing piano player, keyboard player. You know, we, we've played with each other. <coughs> Been married for 34 years, 33 years. Uh, we've, we've, we've played with each other for, play, play music together, play music together. <laughs> Guys, what do you think married people do? Come on. If you don't do that, you're, in, anyway. I'll give you some counseling, okay? So anyway, so I'll give it up. We were playing like this forever, like playing drums and keys. I, I would love playing this morning with you, Catherine, because we, haven't, we all, don't always do it together. But it's just so beautiful, and we've done it since we met each other, actually, 35 years ago. And it's just, it's just, it's just joy. He's so amazing, Catherine. It's just, it's just amazing. So I'm, I'm so, I'm so helpful, thankful to the Lord for all the journey we've been on uh, together, you know, like this. Okay, so my, 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 my thing to us is let's abandon double talk. That's my title of my thing, abandoning double talk, double dutch. You can't have both. You can't be a sinner and a saint at the same time. You can't do it. And you're not going to lose your sanctification. You're not going to lose your... Your, your sainthood. You don't need the soap. You don't need it. I'm sorry. Jesus is my soap forever. Don't be fooled by this soap opera. I thought it was quite funny. I thought it was quite funny. It's in my notes here. I thought this is quite, actually it's quite smart. I think this is quite good. I know it's not me then, you know. I know Jesus is much smarter than me, you know. So, uh, you know, so forgiveness is a gift from God. It had never had anything to do with you and has nothing to do with you now. It's a gift from God that we can live in and out of. Amen? So let's forget about the soap bar and let's, let's rest in the finished work of Christ. If you are a believer, you can know complete forgiveness. And let's not cheapen the cross by the soap bar. Let's not cheapen what God has done for you. It was once and for all. And let's start living out of this new identity of being right with God all the time. We don't lose our fellowship. He's always in us. He's always with us. He's not going to leave you. Not like David. 
Oh, Lord, Psalm 51, and we quote this. Christians still quote this, you know. Oh, don't leave me, Holy Spirit, oh, whatever. No, he doesn't do that. That's all covenant. That's why Jesus, the Son of God, God himself gave himself for us. Amen? Stop the double talk. But if you are an unbeliever, I've got great news for you. You can come into fellowship with God. You can say this today. You can say to God today, maybe online, you can say to God today, if you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What an incredible gift that God has given to us. And then we come into the light. God is light and we have fellowship with him in the light. Amen. All heads bowed for a moment. All close your eyes. Maybe there's somebody in here online and you need to make a decision for Christ today. Maybe, maybe you were a Christian a long time ago. Maybe, maybe decades ago and you just walked away completely from God. Or maybe you've never come to Jesus. Maybe you've never come from darkness into light. Maybe like the Gnostics, you didn't even believe that Jesus Christ came into the world. That he went to a cross. Yeah, you hear something about Easter, but you have no idea what it was. Well, he went to the cross to bear the sin of the world. Your sin, my sin. He took it to the cross. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And he's alive to give us new life. And so... The end of this life is not the end of life. It's, it, our life goes forever, eternal life, because of Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. So whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Does anybody in this room need eternal life? I need to say yes to Jesus. If you do, I want to pray with you for a moment. Can you just put up your hand? I can see who I'm praying for today. Is there anybody in this room? You say, I need Jesus here today. Anybody online? I need Jesus here today. I want to make myself right. I want to come into the light out of this darkness. Anybody here? I know online, I don't know, I can't see you online. I can't put your hands up. But I want to say to you online, if this is your decision today, then say that. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Change me from the inside out. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I will love and serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going into communion now, which is absolutely beautiful. But before that, I, I want to encourage you as a church. It's, it's kind of post-COVID or getting towards post-COVID. I want to invite you to bring people to church. People hear the gospel. People are very anxious still. And they don't know about the future and all what's happening in market crash and whatever. Bring people to church. Invite people to church. How can they know if somebody doesn't preach to them? How can they know? I want to encourage you to think about your neighbors, your friends, your workmates. And start saying, hey, I want you to come to church. Come with me. It's not scary. And then we can see them saved. Now communion shouts something to us. It shouts to us, it is finished. And his body was broken for us. His beautiful, powerful, glorious body, the Word of God made flesh and dwelt among us. That body was broken for you and for us and for me that we can receive life and healing in every part of my life. I do this every morning because I know that it brings life into my life. And I pray for all you lot. That's why you're so healthy. And, that, and, uh, you know, and, and make sure you do this. You know? Bread of life. And, then the, and then, then the cup. Come on, after this morning. It must be even more beautiful. There's nothing that can ever separate us from the love of Christ. 
because of what he did. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, not about you. And receive the love of God. Receive your identity, if you haven't really known your identity in Christ. Son and a daughter of God. This is the covenant of the new, in my blood, of the forgiveness, of forgiveness and new covenant. And so let's celebrate this together. And let's enjoy the Holy Spirit. One more scripture. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all. Everybody say all. All of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. I want you to hear this. That's why there's an advocate. I want you to really get this today. I know some of you have heard this before, but the advocate, that means that there is no more price to pay. You're asking forgiveness. It's not going to change anything. Saying sorry is good, but it's not going to change anything. Because he already paid for everything. By the way, for everybody in the world. But unless you come into Christ by faith, you will not have benefits of that. You've got to be born again and be made new on the inside. Amen? But against us and condemned it, he's taken it away, nailing it on the cross. God is our light, and God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid of? You are the light that gives us light, Lord. Jesus, we are forever grateful to what you have done. Your finished work was such a finished work. It was so beautiful, so glorious, so powerful. And we worship you. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify your name. We want our lives, Lord, to align with your life. Because we're so happy that you have given yourself to us. Given us freedom. Wiped the slate away clean. We honor you. We give you praise. As we take communion right now, Lord, we celebrate your goodness. And if we need healing in our mind or our soul or our body, may healing flow right now in Jesus' name.